0: everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt, and welcome to The Conservative Voice Show. Your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Alright guys, so a lot happened over the weekend, oh I'm so sorry, welcome to The Conservative Voice Show, and I'm Jonathan Hewitt, as I said. But anyway, so a lot happened over this weekend, and we got a lot to talk about, so first, The Democrats and the media still remain silent after the Mega Million March was attacked by BLM and Antifa groups. You have a new vaccine comes out that could um, shake some things up. And Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democratic Party continue to be worried about their House majority. This and a lot more on today's show. So before we jump into the show, I'm kinda gonna vent something a little bit. And it just goes to show like even like low level, like, podcasters and, like, people who talk about politics and conservatives still are being censored, so it's not just, like, a big tech problem. So, let me tell you guys, so, I created TikTok for the show, and so I post things on there. Um, If you don't already, which I'm sure you don't, go over, follow that at the Conservative Voice Show. I'll link it down below, just the same. Um, But I posted a video of these gentlemen being attacked in the streets of DC. And we are going like upwards of 100,000 views, almost 2,000 likes, over 400 plus comments, which isn't terribly well, but that's a good amount. Um, especially seeing it was only up for about six or seven hours. Well, it got taken down because it violated some community guideline. Well, I go to the community guideline and I read it, right? And it says that like, you can't post anything that supports violence or self-harm, or, but you can raise awareness of those things. So nowhere in that video do I like condone the actions as occurring. I'm like, why is the media not covering this? Because there was no media coverage of it. Well, so I appeal it, and they still deny me the video. And it just like, leads you to wonder like why. Why are you censoring something that can be played on just the regular national news? Like what was, the video I showed, like no one was dying. Yeah, someone got punched in the face and kicked while on the ground, but they would show it on your 10 o'clock news at night. And so it just goes to show that even when you're trying to raise awareness, big tech are gonna censor you. And so there's not many places left, besides maybe a parlor or wherever we host our podcasts, things like that, that are not just drowned and controlled by big tech. But Anyway, so sorry about that little rant. I just want to let y'all know that even people like as small as me in the world of like the media and like putting things out to the public, even we get censored still. All right, so jumping into this weekend, on Friday night, or Friday last week, there was a huge MAGA million march in DC. It was all organic, meaning that like the Trump administration and the Trump campaign didn't set it up. It was all from Trump supporters wanting to show their, their like, support for the president. So there are several videos throughout the day, like you can find them all, all over the place, of the march that was peaceful and that it was a bunch of people that loved the president, expressing their freedom of speech and unhappy with the current system. There was no violence, there was no looting, there was no destroying the people's stuff, there was no fighting, nothing just all out there repping MAGA gear and just screaming MAGA in the streets. Well, of course, this could not happen because in today's age, it is absolutely terrible if you show support for the sitting president of the United States. It's absolutely unacceptable. So, BLM and Antifa groups began to fill the streets and began attacking Trump supporters, like openly in the middle of the streets. Now, when you think about it, I sit here and I try to think, and I'm like, well, if they wanted to counter-protest, okay, I can get behind that. Like, that's your freedom of speech. If you want to stand there and say, no, BLM and Antifa and scream that at the top of your lungs while they're screaming, make America great again, well, sure, that's your right. Do I agree with you? No, but that's America, and you're allowed to disagree. But that's not what's happening. Like... At all. Like, guys, like, what we are actually seeing is legitimate terrorists. Like, they are actually legitimate terrorists. So, they are using violence and fear for political gain. That literally is in the definition, the textbook definition of terrorism. They use violence, fear, and aggression to achieve some form of political goal. And they're doing that at the expense of one of the number one rights that you have in America. And that's your freedom to express your speech however you want. Whether you agree with the march or not, that's still their right. And that is still something that makes us greater than any other nation. The fact that Antifa members and BLM are trying to use that fear and that violence is absolutely absurd. Like absolutely insane. And the fact that the media and the Democrats have remained silent on it? Like, are you kidding? Like, that's absolutely unacceptable. So here's some clips from, that, from, the, from over the weekend. Just, I'll show some clips at the beginning of like the Trump like rally beforehand. And then we'll get into the Trumps of like, or the clips of the Trump supporters literally being harassed, beaten, followed, abused, assaulted all over downtown DC. So here they are. Alright, guys, so right there, that is a video of a guy getting beat up. And this is the full clip. I did post a shortened clip that was shared on Twitter. But this is the full clip, and it doesn't look great. It doesn't. But the fact that the guy, all the Trump supporters did was screaming at the guy with the megaphone, then get pushed, then he did push somebody back. And then at one point, you can see him trying to walk away. And then he is kicked in the back. And then it goes forward to the later clip of where, the one everyone I'm sure has seen, where the guy gets sucker punched in the back, like from behind, falls and they kick on him and somebody helps him up. So a lot, of, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he started it. Okay, maybe. But you could have contacted the authorities if he didn't get started. You could have let them figure it out if, if a crime had occurred. Instead of taking that mob justice, that mob justice is what's getting us into a very, very difficult position in our country. Like the mob justice does not rule. Like you do not get to just beat the crap out of people because you want to, because you don't agree with them, because you think that they did something to you. He walked away, which you may not have liked that he walked away from you, but he defused that situation. You could have gone to the authorities, but instead you do this and that makes you the bad person. That makes you, you don't have to go up and sucker punch somebody from behind. Sure, you want to throw down and duke it out in the streets? Yo, I'm up. Go get it. Don't care. But you're not going to, Like you don't get to just all out assault and hurt and, and commit acts of violence against people that you don't agree with. That's wrong. But here's some more clips. There's explosives being thrown in here. Fireworks. Hell, even an old lady isn't immune from the attacks of the left. Here they are.
1: Come yeah, 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 loser! Goodbye, yeah, loser! You fuck your guy two year. years, leave him alone! Get the fuck
0: out
1: here!
0: Get
1: the fuck out here!
0: that freedom of speech flourishes and that everyone can have their own views? Or does that look like a place that has been taken over by criminals and fascist members of an oppressive society that seeks to destroy anybody, anything, or any institution that stands against them? Since when should Americans have to live in fear over who they choose to support for the presidency? Like, since I have been alive, in my nearly 27 years of existence, I have never seen anything like this. Never have I seen a time where there have been overt acts, like legitimate overt acts of violence against a certain political group, supported by members of the opposing political group. Like you want to defy, like you want to divide America, like you want a civil war, you want violence, more violence in the streets. This is how it happens. Let the government continue to allow attacks like this to occur in the streets of our nation. The people will only take so much. They can only take so much. Eventually, the people that are being attacked are going to be tired of being persecuted. Like, we were born in a, our country was born out of the idea that every single person has this set of unalienable rights. Now, may the Constitution may protect you just from the government, Sure, but you still have that right. If the government can't infringe on it, sure in hell ain't Joe blow down the street gonna infringe on it. Absolutely not. And so the fact that we were a country born on those ideas, born that we were all have those rights, yet now we are being persecuted for using those rights and speaking openly is absolutely in streets. There will be all out war in the streets. If that continues, if there continues to be a suppression of free speech on one side, there will be all out war in the streets. That is what it will come to. Because people are not going to allow themselves to continually be oppressed, continually pushed down. especially not in America. That—that That is not something the American people will stand for. Absolutely will not. And if that is what they want, that's how they go about getting it. And I put a lot of responsibility on the left. And why? Well, because those groups that did all the attacking, Antifa, BLM, all of them are groups that are supported by the radical left inside the Democratic Party. Like, not only the like groups that are supported by the radical left inside the Democratic Party, you didn't hear a single word from Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Like they were absolutely silent about the attacks. When just last week they were preaching unity and healing. Does this look like unity and healing? Does this look like a country that is currently embracing each other? Absolutely not. But they did not say a single damn word, not one single word, to condemn the actions of those people. Like, none. Like, the police literally were trying to like, I say segregate because there's no other way, separate the two parties. So remember how the deplorable mayor of DC painted BLM, like, on one of the streets? Well, they literally had cops there and were trying to separate the two groups. That's how bad it got. In some instances, the cops wouldn't let them go down an easier route and were pushing the Trump supporters back into the angry mobs of people trying to assault them. And there wasn't a single word from the left, not a single Democrat that I know of has said anything. I know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have not said a single damn word to condemn it. And the media has been absolutely silent about it. So over the weekend, Fox News regained some sort of decency, I guess, and integrity, in my opinion, because they were the only news outlet that had that had the assaults on that march, either on their headline or were actually even held, even reporting it. They were the only ones that said anything about the event. How in the hell do you have the violence? How in the hell do you have violence in the street of the Capitol? in Washington, D.C., in one of the largest marches in history, and not a single mainstream media outlet covered it. CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, none of them were running a headline about the violence. You wanna know why? Because it does not push their narrative that American Trump supporters are bad and that they will condemn, and they will, that Trump supporters will commit overt acts of violence. No, this didn't support that. This supported a peaceful Trump rally that was then descended upon by Antifa and BLM members that then committed grave acts of violence against people expressing their free speech. That is the reason why not a single mainstream media outlet covered it because it doesn't support their narrative that Trump supporters are bad, Proud Boys are going to be taking over the streets and militias are gonna break down every single door because that is their narrative. And if this does not show how complicit the media is I don't know what does. Like, where did the days go where reporters just reported the news, good or bad, didn't matter? If it was for political agenda, against political agenda, if it supported a candidate, did not support a candidate, whichever, where is the news? Where does it, in either way, where is that? We have lost objective journalism in every mainstream media outlet there is. And places why CNN wonder why their viewership is dropping why people are going to podcasts like this one, or places like The Daily Wire, Blaze TV, Loud Earth Crowder, all of your like, conservative and media-based podcasts, why people are going to them? It's because they can get true accounts on what's going on. They can get accurate, honest, controversial, like, like conversations, nothing more, like, more to say, and accounts and coverage of what's going on in America. So, Herein lies the issue. You have two groups, well, radical groups, that are committing acts of violence. We have seen this be an ongoing thing inside the Democratic Party. I'm sorry, not inside, well, hell, from support coming from inside the Democratic Party, but in Democrat-led cities all over the nation. The leadership of the party that supports this organization say nothing about condemning these actions. So there is the first issue. You would think if Biden and the Democrats truly wanted unity, if they truly wanted peace in the streets and they didn't want like, and they wanted to bring some form of cohesion back to the nation, then they would say something. But they don't want that. They don't want unity, they want power. They want their version of unity. And their version of unity is that you either agree with us or we're just going to beat you into submission and allow our radical extremist groups to beat you into submission because the unity that we want is the unity where we all agree on the exact same thing and none of us are allowed to disagree. That is the unity that Joe Biden and the left won. The second issue is the media. The fact that there was absolutely zero reporting, like I said, is incredible. When you put both of these together, that is a bad, bad recipe. Like that is a bad, bad recipe for disaster. And it sends a message that if you do not agree with the narrative, then you're wrong. Because you have Joe Biden claiming unity, and then you have a media that is pushing the narrative of the unity that Joe Biden wants. And if you don't comply with that, then you're just going to be beaten into submission. Your life is not worth defending to them if you don't agree with them. Your life is not, like the media, your life isn't worth like reporting on by the media if you don't agree with their narrative. And that's dangerous, incredibly dangerous, and it threatens everything like in our America. It threatens our constitution. It threatens our free speech. And it's absolutely insane that you can literally see this happening on the streets of the nation's capital. It's, I'm literally like speechless about like speechless about. It. I don't understand it. And I don't understand how so many Americans stand for it. All right, so onto the coronavirus lockdowns and the vaccine, right? So states like Michigan and Oregon the governors have imposed some of the strictest lockdowns since it all started. Um, Michigan, they have halted all in-person schools. They are also limiting the number of people that can get together for like holidays to two households. Okay, and so I have a huge issue with this. A huge issue, and I think a majority of Americans should. You can control, I guess, what I do outside of my house, right? But you don't get to control what happens inside my house. There's a reason why the Constitution protects me and every single person about government intrusion into the household. The Founding Fathers believe that your person was the number one sacred thing and your household was the number two sacred thing against government intrusion. So you can tell me, okay, on a public roadway or on a government-owned street or out there in public that I can't be around so many people. You can tell me that. Okay, I will... Reluctantly agree with that, but you, you don't have the authority to tell me how many people I can have inside my household. Absolutely not. And not to mention that, let's not forget that the Congress, like the houses of Congress are having this huge banquet, or at least they were, I don't know if they canceled it because there was huge out, outlash against it because they're going to have this huge banquet. And they said, Oh, the tables are separated. You're going to have 400 plus people in a room, separated, while people, while the American people cannot have Thanksgiving with their loved ones. That is some like Marie Antoinette kind of shit right there. Like you can do what you want and be, and eat healthy and get fat and everything like that. But the American people are left to like starve and that we're not even allowed to like have Thanksgiving with our family. That is absolutely hypocritical. And it's absolutely absurd. Oregon has also also halted all gatherings indoor to nothing greater than six people. So Nancy Mendel tweeted something this weekend, which is absolutely true. It said, "The lockdown absolutists think those of us who aren't are idiots who don't believe in the virus. I believe in it. I know dozens of people who have had it. I recognize the risk." I will not destroy our society or hide inside for over a year because I am afraid of it. And this is absolutely correct. Like For me, for instance, and my wife, I know the virus. I accept the risk that comes with it, but I am not willing to destroy the American way of life, the American institutions, or the American people over a virus that has a ninety-nine point nine percent survivability rate if you're a healthy adult. I'm absolutely not willing to do it. Like. Not going to do it. So as governors impose those stricter regulations and they prepare for the holidays, there is some good news. And I will say there is some very, very good news coming. So Moderna, which is another like pharmaceutical company that's been researching COVID, they released that they've been working on a COVID-19 vaccine that has come forward stating that they have a vaccine that is over 90% effective. In a report from Fox News, it says... Moderna said its vaccine appears to be 94.5% effective, according to preliminary data from the company's still ongoing study. A week ago, competitor Pfizer Incorporated announced its own COVID-19 vaccine appeared similarly effective. News that puts both companies on track to seek permission within weeks for emergency use in the United States. Dr. Stephen Hogue, Moderna's president, welcomed the, in quote, really important milestone but said, having similar results from two different companies is what's most reassuring. That should give us all hope that actually a vaccine is going to be able to stop this pandemic and hopefully get us back to our lives, Hope told the Associated Press. It won't be Moderna alone that solves this problem. It's going to require many vaccines to meet the global demand he added. All right, so this is very, very good news for a few reasons. All right, so it one should show that the vaccine is effective and that it's not a government ploy from the Trump administration. So remember, we've seen over and over in the last like uh, few months that a lot of people said they weren't going to take the vaccine because they did not trust that it was effective and that it was because the Trump administration was timing the news around these pharmaceutical companies to get out a vaccine in time for the election. But having two of them, like um, Dr. Hoke said, should bring forth some form of like reassurance that it is going to be good and that it is safe. And following the pandemic and into the future, if more than one camp company is creating the virus, or not the virus, I'm sorry, creating the vaccine, it's gonna do a lot of good things. We live in a capitalist society and this is gonna be a time that proves that capitalism is successful. Because when you have companies competing for their vaccine to be bought, you're going to ensure that a vaccine is safe, that the company is deploying their best version of it, while also driving the cost of that vaccine to minimal cost for people. And all of those are very, very, very good things for the American people. So one second, I'm gonna take a drink, I'm thirsty. You like my cup? I know y'all probably can't read it, but my wonderful wife got it for me and it says, trophy husband, because what you're looking at right here is truly a trophy husband. I am a one of a kind. Anyway, so overall, this is really, really, really good news. Both companies plan on applying on the to the um, for permission to begin emergency distribution of the vaccine. What will be interesting to see is how many people will actually take the vaccine. I also think it will be interesting to see how Biden and his campaign if he is elected, and his administration, if he is elected, like administer the vaccine, especially seeing that he held so much reluctantly, like reluctancy in the debate, saying that he would support it if it was safe and tested. So I wonder if he considers this to be safe and tested. But speaking of vaccine distribution, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, has set out to state that he is going to sue the White House if they refuse to give his state the vaccine which of course, Trump never actually said that he was going to withhold the vaccine from New York. What he was saying is that he can't give the vaccine to them because the dumb rule Cuomo put forward in September. So in a report from Politico, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo is promising to mobilize an army to ensure that the black and brown New Yorkers have equal access to any coronavirus vaccines and threatened a lawsuit against Trump's administration if its distribution plan is an overhaul to make that possible. Okay. So to kind of like put this in context, Politico continues saying, uh, the latest, this is the latest salvo in a months long feud between Cuomo and the White House about its vaccine distribution plans. On multiple occasions during the fall, the governor accused Trump of not actually having such plans. And he also reportedly raised the possibility that vaccines might be rushed by the federal government without proper vetting. So here we're about to get to the point of what Trump was making. And I'll play the video clip here in a few minutes of what Trump actually said. But anyway, Politico says he established a state task force in September, talking about Cuomo, that he said should have the authority to review any FDA decisions before vaccines are distributed in New York. Trump gave Cuomo the authority he was looking for in a backhanded way on Friday. And quote, Governor Cuomo will have to let us know when he's ready for it. Otherwise, we can't be delivering it to a state that won't give it to its people immediately. 100% true. So, Cuomo's saying that Trump is refusing to give it to it. But here's a clip of Donald Trump actually saying that he's just waiting for Governor Cuomo to enact his task force to allow it to come to a state because Governor Cuomo enacted this really, really stupid policy. Here's the president.
1: He doesn't trust the fact that it's this White House, this administration, so we won't be delivering it to New York until we have authorization to do so. So the problem with what
0: Cuomo's saying is that Trump is not saying that he's not going to give New Yorkers the vaccine. He never once said that. What he's saying is that Cuomo put that really stupid rule in because he's afraid that the FDA and the vaccine companies are going to feel pressure from the president. And about creating a vaccine. And so he wants to have him in, in, independently evaluated. So Trump threw Cuomo the power that he wanted and allowed him to flex. And now Cuomo's trying to blame that on the president. I think it's funny to hear the guy that put COVID, case, COVID positive patients back inside nursing homes talk about equal treatment for all and how much he cares about the healthcare and the well being of New Yorkers. If you actually cared, you would not have put COVID positive patients back inside nursing homes into the vulnerable population. So get out of here. So what does all of that mean? Like in a nutshell? Well, what I think it means is we're on the right track. It means that hopefully at the start of the new year, maybe in the first quarter of the new year, like we'll get back to some form of normalcy. People can become vac- vaccinated. We can, we're already starting to trend at a l- even though the positive cases are trending upward, the hospitalizations are trending downward. So we're already starting to see that downward trend of hospitalizations. And so hopefully what that means is that we can start to get back to some point of like normal, like back to like what we all once knew as normal. Back when we could go to like steakhouses and not have to worry, go to concerts, go into, hell, you can walk into a Walmart and not have them sanitizing in a cart and like like click counting how many people go into the store. Like that will have some form of normalcy back in America that is what i think is really really good and it's something that we are on what seems to be a good projected path of that all right so over the last like week you've heard me talking about the problems inside the democratic party well they're like just it's like a it's like a pot of noodles on the stove right it's like boiling 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 and you know like when you watch it as it starts to boil over it kind of like just stops and hovers there you know Like it doesn't just immediately just start boiling over. That is where we're at in the Democratic Party is that the internal workings of the party have begun to cause friction and fire and starting to boil. The tensions are starting to rise and we are at the top of that pan. Like things are about to boil over. So there's some more unrest in the Democratic Party this week about the potential cabinet members being chosen by Joe Biden. And you heard me talking last week about how like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and people like that were talking about the potential of going and being a cabinet member for the Biden administration. Um, the Democratic leaders are nervous. They're really, really nervous because right now they're holding 219 seats in the House. 218 seats are needed for a majority inside the House. So let's say that Republicans take the remaining seats. Let's just say that. I don't know if it's true but we're just gonna like hypothetical here. So if the Republicans take every other seat in the House, that'll put them at a 219-seat majority in the House. They cannot afford to let any members leave the House then. They can't afford to lose seat members. So let's say that Sanders and Warren both go. That reduces them to 217 seats in the House, which isn't enough to take a full majority in the House of Representatives. And so The Democrat leadership have been urging members not to jump ship recently because of it. So in a report from the New York Post, confronted with a shrunken majority, House leaders are discouraging fellow Democrats from taking jobs with the incoming Biden administration out of concern that the Republicans couldn't have any vacated seats, source told the Post on Sunday. Insiders variously accused House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat of California and majority leader, Stenny Hoyer, Democrat of Maryland, of urging Dems to stay put to preserve their fragile majority. Nancy is telling House members, now is not the time to leave, a Democrat Party official who's been briefed by Democratic Congressional Representatives said. But another House insider said Majority Leader, Stenny Hauser of Maryland, is urging Democratic Congressional Reps to stay put and told the Biden transition team not to poach its members because of its party's slim majority following the November 3rd elections. The sensitive topics of jumping ship to work for Biden amid the loss of House seats came up at the House Democratic caucus meeting last week. And quote, it's not helpful to talk about that, a Democratic leadership reportedly said on the call regarding House Democrats wanting to relinquish their seats and work for Biden. The feeling is, don't make rash decisions about going to the administration without first considering consequences to the caucus, a Democratic insider familiar with the call said. So, I almost can't, like, help but, like, laugh just about, like, the whole situation, right? Like, you literally have, like, these are the same people that a month ago was talking about how there was going to be this huge blue wave and that the Democratic Party was just going to sweep through and take over the nation by storm, that there's going to be this huge blue wave and the Republicans don't stand a chance, right? Well, now they're begging their party members not to leave, not to go to a cabinet position because they're concerned about their loss of their majority. Like, that is absolutely funny. Like, it's so funny how fast they like flip, like, like this right here, like if I had a coin, like this pin, right? So this pin right here. That's how fast they change their minds. Like, you can, by the time I'm done recording this podcast, they're gonna have some other freaking ridiculous statement about their House majority and how it was stolen from them or how they can't believe that Republicans perform so well or that they don't claim responsibility. Which, speaking of claiming responsibility, AOC is still not taking ownership for any of the loss, none of the squad members are taking responsibility for any of the loss of the House majority. Hell, Pelosi isn't even taking responsibility. Pelosi is taking responsibility for them being able to maintain the majority in the House. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, how? I don't. Like, I, I read the news, and I read it every day, and I read lots of things, Sochi Pressie and the New York Times, all of them. Right? And it's just, I don't understand. Like, you literally have these people have been in like politics for so long. The people that represent America that can't claim responsibility for their own actions. All right. So in an article by Megan Henning, Fox News, AFC, AOC, sorry, the Honorable Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez still fails to like take any form of responsibility. So during a virtual town hall meeting, Fox reports Thursday night a constituent asked Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York, to weigh in on Democrats' spate of down ballot losses in 2020 election. So you know, of course, the loss of the House majority is just extraordinarily upsetting to all of us, Ocasio-Cortez said. It's upsetting to all of us who are invested in having a democratic majority so that we can expand health care, so that we can raise wages, so that we can protect the working people. Okay, first of all, get out of here. Like take that, bullsh- that bullshit somewhere else because you are not the party of the working people. You absolutely are not. And yes, so you do have an interest in expanding healthcare for all because you're a freaking socialist and you want to push your socialist regimes. And that, that socialist policy is what lost you the election. And what lost the House the majority, well not her the election, but lost the election for the House majority, was like, you have your own caucus members telling you that those form of like rhetoric is the reason why they almost did lose, or that so many seats were lost in the House. You you continue to press them. The American people do not want socialism. Like, lady, learn. Learn from your mistakes at least, if not for yourself, for the American people. Anyway. Democrats had a 35-seat advantage in the House before the election, but after a better-than-expected performance by down-ballot Republicans, the majority will shrink by at least seven seats, making it one of the thinnest margins in decades. Like, lady, when are you going to learn? Like, all this comes, right, after, you remember that, like, family meeting they had the Thursday after the elections when the moderates in the Democratic Party called out like the squad, AOC, people who wanted to support the police, take a knee, um, all of those things in the socialist agenda, like that they were costing in the election. Like, okay, if you don't want to admit that you're wrong because you have some form of like ego problem, get the hell out of Congress. Two, don't go attacking your own caucus. That's not going to do you any damn good. Like. Your own members don't even agree with you. Like, the majority, I would say, of your members and the majority of your voter base do not agree with you. But it's the radical left that agrees. Like, learn, lady. Like, just learn. So, there's actually a really, really good story, and I can't, I'm actually super excited to like share this with you. Actually, really excited. So, the Republican congresswoman elect, Victoria Spartz, um, puts the socialist agenda on blast. So, Victoria Spartz. She moved from socialist Ukraine about 20 years ago, where she became a citizen and ultimately ran for Congress and then won on the Republican ballot in Indiana. And so she speaks about the terrible, like she went on Fox News and she spoke about how terrible socialism is and like what happens when it runs out of money. So here she is.
1: Believe in socialistic utopic ideas, the Democrat Party is now promoting. So women believe in future of their children. They care about good economy, job, education, public safety, getting having good health care, and they trust that Republican can deliver it. So I'm very honored to see that. But that is a you know it, that is a testament to that grew up in a socialistic country. It actually was, uh, you know, Socialistic Republic of Ukraine. I was saying, you know, in my 42 years, I grew up in socialism. I saw what happens when it runs out of money and it's not pretty. And now I came to America 20 years ago with a suitcase after meeting my husband in a train in Europe and he is a raisin born Hoosier. You know, and now we're building socialism. I'm kind of going full circles. So I can tell you what is going to be next. It's very sad for me to see that and that made me, as a mother of two daughters, it made me get involved and do
0: something about it because that's not very good for our country. And this is so true, like, right, right? Like this is like I am so happy. Like I'm happy that she migrated, like that she immigrated legally. I'm happy that she became an American citizen. I'm happy that she ran for Congress, and I'm happy to see that she is going to be in the Republican ticket and in the Republican Party, fighting against the radicalization of the left. Right? Like, if you don't want to take the, like, criticism of the, in quote, privileged white men in America that disagree with socialism, or the Republicans that we just don't understand, take it from this woman. She is a woman that has lived it, survived it, and immigrated here where she's 100% happy and 100% agrees in the American system. So if you don't want to take it from us that socialism is bad. I. I would urge you, congressional members, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhad Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Bernie Sanders, all of you that want the movement of socialism to take America by storm, listen to her and listen to her talk about it. What are you going to do when the money ends? When there is no more money to fund your socialist projects, what are you going to do? You're going to enslave the American people? Because I'll be damned. Absolutely not. You. You will not enslave the American people to socialism. That will never occur. So I'm really happy that she's in Congress, and I hope that she can bring some form, like, like moderation to like the House, to the lower chamber. That she can bring so forth some form of like, just like understanding and like reasonableness. So speaking of Nancy Pelosi, just some keynotes. Nancy Pelosi also admitted and announced that she will be running for another term as Speaker of the House. So we'll see how that goes. I would love actually to see like a more moderate Democrat get into the Speaker position. That would be awesome because Nancy Pelosi is just a downright terrible human being. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Speaking of elections and just the overall place of the election. So Trump is still litigating the election. And what I really wish Trump would do is we've heard, and I don't know, like, like you all know I'm not a forever Trumper, I'm not 100%, like if Trump ran on the Democratic ballot, I probably would, still wouldn't elect, like vote for him because I'm not a Democrat, I don't believe in the Democratic Party. So I'm not a forever Trumper at all. But what I really wish is that he would bring forth the evidence. So we've heard him, Rudy Giuliani, Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, members of his administration, All of a sudden they have all of this grand, like, knowledge and, like, evidence of voter fraud and voter, like, irregularity and all that. I wish he would show that. Like, bring that to the American people. Because right now, even to me, it feels like he's stretching. It feels like he's trying to hold on. And I don't mean cling to power, like, hold on, like, oh, he's not going to concede the Oval Office. He's going to barricade the doors and bring the tanks onto the West Lawn of the White House. No, I don't believe any of that but he's just trying to hold his base to like rally them but so i'm not saying that there isn't any evidence either though because i do believe that there has been some very very good cases of voter irregularity that with the dominion system why we allowed a canadian-based system that has been riddled with like the potential for it to be compromised and why in america Canadian based system has any place in our election it does not so there is definitely like some examples of some irregularities but I wish that you would just come forward with it like right and just show the American people what you got like I know you don't want to show your hand too early but show the American people that you're not just gaffing with them and that you legitimately have some form of like evidence to support your claim anyway so that no state has certified their results yet hopefully that'll come sometime in the next week um, and also, the Electoral College still has not voted. So, for all of you out there that says that Joe Biden is the president-elect, well, sorry to tell you, he still is not. Um, but on to other races, the Senate races in Georgia are heating up. Like they're, The Republican Party is actually, I think I read somewhere, it's, it's throwing $2 million into campaign ads in Georgia. Um, I did read something that is very, very, I do not think it's good for the Republican Party. I don't think this is good at all. So um, Perdue, the Republican incumbent in Georgia, is facing off against Ossoff, the Democratic challenger. Ossoff wants to debate him, I think it was like six more times over the next, like leading up to the election in January, but Purdue Perd- declined any further debates. I think that is very, very bad. I think the, the Republican Party needs to be drawing that strict contrast and that stark contrast between the Democratic and Republican Party, I think that it shows a form of weakness inside the Republican Party, or at least from Purdue, that he will not stand up and debate his opponent. Because it brings you to the thing of like, if you're not going to stand up against one single person and stand up against the, De- the Democratic Party when you're trying to get votes, when you're already in office, are you still going to stand up for them? What are you going to stand for? And so I think Purdue really needs to like think hard about that decision. I think that he needs to get in there, debate Asaf, like draw that comparison and show the Republican Party and those like Democrats that are on the fence that he is the better choice for for their district. So, all right, guys, that is all for today. So at the beginning, you heard me talking about TikTok. First of all, don't judge me, okay? but if you're on it go over there follow me on it i'll be posting like all kinds of like you'll see funny clips of me behind the clip behind the scenes like making the show i should like where i kind of sit at like my little setup everything like that you'll also see me drawing like and creating videos that promote like the podcast and like what's going on like i put up that, that video clip of um Congressional elect Sparks on there, things like that. So make sure I'll link it down below. Go over there, follow me, let's have a good time. Um, Things on there will probably be a bit lighter than like my normal podcast, but it'll still be good information and it'll be a fun time. So make sure you go over there. Also, full video podcast, as always, are on my YouTube channel. Go over there at The Conservative Voice. I will also link that down below in the show description. If you want a full video podcast where you get to see yours truly, You can see the awesome backdrop that I have here, which I'm working on something special for that. So stay tuned. Also, you can find this podcast and tell your friends, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. Make sure you follow and subscribe. And as always, guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I hope that you all are safe and God bless you all.